Um, it's a privilege for me and my wife to be up here this morning, um, continuing the series that we're in, uh, God's Heart. And so uh, it is, it's a privilege to have her up here with me. And we're getting to continue the series. What, what's, what's the series called, baby? I mean, what's, what's the, what are we doing today? God's Heart for the Youth. For the youth. Where the youth at in the building? Youth in the building. Don't youth be scared. Look at Danny in the back. Once you're 20-something, you're not a youth anymore, man. All right. Where, where, where are the youth at? Youth in the building, raise your hand. I'm going to start calling y'all out because y'all here. Y'all here. I, I brought y'all here. <laughs> okay, couple in the building. Okay, yeah. A couple of them ain't going to raise their hand. It's all good. But check it out. We are continuing to go through the series, and it's about God's heart for the youth. God's heart for children. And what we want to... Uh, share with you today, we feel like God has impressed on our hearts. It's something that God has shown us through the word. You know, me and Jan, we got to spend a lot of time studying God's word and just asking him, God, what do you, what's your heart for children? What's your heart for the youth? How do you view the youth? And so we're excited to bring to you God's word and what we believe God has placed on us that we can share with you and that as a church, we can continue to grow. Um, and so I just want to start off kind of sharing a little bit of my story as far as it relates to how I ended up here. And uh, how, how that happened was, long story short, God calling my heart to the youth. Because me being a youth and being a misguided youth at times, I needed mentors. I needed people to steer me in the right direction. And so the moment I came to Christ and I became a believer in Jesus, I realized, man, if I would have had somebody like myself that just like, Love me enough to just begin to show me the right way and begin to take, you know, draw attention to, 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 to my life. And so I started seeing I really want to impact the youth. And so as I was graduating college, I did youth. I did a college ministry for three years and I was working with college students. But I said, you know what? I feel like something in my heart is saying, no, nah, we, we, you need to be in their lives earlier. College is too late. They already have been through so much. And they have already kind of just experienced life so much that I wanted to get there earlier because I know how I was in high school. And so I started praying, God, where do you want us to go? And um, I remember I was on the phone with Kempton because I had known him, you know, for several years now. And it was in 2016 where I said, you know, I feel like the Lord's calling me and Jen and our family somewhere else to work with the youth and being connected to the local church. And so I was trying to check out different places. I ended up coming to East St. Louis. Never heard of East St. Louis before. I just, like a lot of other people in the world, probably thought it was somewhere east in St. Louis. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, Missouri somewhere. But when we got out here, I remember three things that we were focused on. We wanted to be in a local church. We wanted to work with youth. And we wanted to be in community. When I rode up here, we met with Kempton. We met with Karen. We met with a lot of other people that were involved with the church. And I just realized something. They had community. There was young adults who were walking with the Lord who wanted to keep growing and wanted to be close with each other. I said, boom, that's community. Okay, we're in there. Kempton, he's a pastor that wants to grow a church so we can fellowship and that we could share the gospel and that people can have a place to worship. Boom, there it is. Okay, God, but the youth, what about the youth? Me and Kempton, it just so happened that he was going... Uh, uh, canvassing the neighborhood and just kind of asking for pray, you know, asking if, you know, there's any way that he can pray for anybody that we run into and, you know, just tell them about, you know, the church we're starting. And 
I kid you not, we walked around for like two hours, and every single person that went Kempton asked, man, what's one thing that we could be praying for? What's one thing? Every single time, with, with no exception, the first thing was, it's the youth. We just need to pray for the youth. That's it. We just need to pray for the youth. And God was speaking to me. He said, yeah, keep playing with me. This is where you coming. You, you coming here. And that's how I knew that that's what God was uh, calling me and my family to. And I let her share a little bit about. Yes. Um, my passion for the youth took a little bit more time. Um, sometimes we're just called to follow our husbands. Um, but yeah, when we got married shortly after, I think five months in, um, you know, I, I was excited to start our career with the ministry, college students. Um, I was excited to do that full time. Okay, this is my job. I'm about to kill it. Uh, and then I got pregnant with my son and everything changed. I don't think the cord extends. Yeah. Um, so ever since then, God has been gradually aligning my heart with his and how he sees the youth and, um, and, and making my heart one with his. So it's been a journey and I've learned so much since we moved here and since we began, since we began working with the youth. Um, it's really been a privilege. I feel like I've learned so much from you guys, had a lot of fun, um, but it's a journey. He's continuing to do that. Every day, he's having to realign my heart with his and um, about the youth. So as we jump in this morning, I thought we could kind of start with um, the culture that we live in. Okay, so how does our world view youth? Um, what, it's kind of the air that we breathe. What is, what is the heartbeat behind our culture and how they view um, children? So... Um, many of us have heard, you know, children should be seen and not heard. Uh, some of us might feel like children are kind of a nuisance. They just require a lot, a lot of energy and time. Uh, if you have a lot of kids, why? Uh, one of my friends said that she kind of observed that the uh, feel is having one to two is good. Having three children is okay, but having four or more is just crazy. Why would you do that? Um, kids cost too much. Kids are really expensive. Uh, depending on circumstances, some kids might require more than others, but they can require a lot of money. Uh, there's also vibes around raising girls. It's funny when I um, had my second girl and I would tell people, oh yeah, you know, we had another girl. And consistently, people's reactions would be like, oh shoot, you got another girl. Okay, get ready, buckle up. Um, and I know we're joking, but it's, it's funny how consistent that was, that whenever I shared that I had two girls, um, it wasn't always seen in like a positive light. Um, can imagine how the goings, I'm sure y'all have heard some stuff <laughs> for girls. Um, so here are some stats just regarding children in our country. There are nearly 443,000 children in foster care. Um, on average, children remain in state care for nearly two years, and 6% of those children have been there for more than five years. So in other words, children that are not in the homes uh, that they were born into, they're not with their families. Of the 400,000 children in foster care, more than 100,000 of them are waiting to be adopted. The number of babies being born in the United States has been on a steady decline 
with the birth rate reaching a new record low in 2017, the lowest recorded number of births in 30 years. Um, fatherlessness. Some of us know personally that it is, it is all too common and easy for a lot of our fathers to abandon their children after they're born. Maybe some of us, even their mothers. Um, that's a reality for a lot of us. And then finally, if you don't want a baby, we live in a world where abortions are not only accessible, but they're promoted. Um, so we tend to sacrifice our children on the altar of convenience. So what about our view of kids? Uh, this was pretty convicting for me, uh, as I have said and felt a lot of these comments, but maybe I'm not alone. Uh, some of the things that I have heard and felt myself is that ever since having kids, I don't have a life anymore. All I do is change diapers all day. All I do is clean and cook. It's like, why do I even clean up my house when at the end of the day, it's literally like it was before? Why do I waste my energy doing that? Um, children can be draining and frustrating. There are days where I feel like all I'm doing is disciplining. Um, I can think to myself sometimes, I'm just trying to make it to their bedtime. You know, their bedtime's 8 o'clock, I'm just trying to make it to 8 o'clock. Um, some of us might feel like, man, I was killing it at my job, and then I got pregnant. Uh, a lot of us lose heart even thinking about the summertime when our kids are going to be home all day long. And we get annoyed when school is canceled and the kids have to stay home instead of gone like we may have planned. Okay, and although it's not always bad, I'm a fan. I'm thankful. I'll be thanking the Lord for smartphones and uh, tablets but if we're honest, we allow our phones and TV screens to occupy our children longer than what's probably good for them. Amen? Okay. So even though a lot of these things I know we kind of joke about humorously and we're all kind of laughing, like, oh, man, these kids. Um, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we really have to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, what are we believing about children that makes us say and think these things? Babe, I didn't know you felt that way about our kids. No. <laughs> I'm appalled that you would feel that way. Mm -hmm. no, I'm playing. No, shoot. I, that, I'm the main one. We are together in yes. that. So it's just a reality um, that God has to continue to grow our hearts for. Um, and so let's just talk more specifically, you know, even about just our community, you know, our church, uh, just in East St. Louis, the city. What, what is kind of the youth, what is our view of the youth here? Or what are, what are even we seeing? And I think a lot of what I've, I've seen, even just being a substitute in the district and just being a youth pastor, I see that a lot of kids, they're looking for attention. And I think that's just the, na the nature of kids. You know, they, they want attention from their parents. They want that affirmation from people that they look up to. And so when you think about it, if they're not getting it in a positive way, how do you think they're going to try to figure out how to get it? It's going to be in a negative way. It's going to be in what's ever in front of them. It might be gangs. It might be fighting. It might be arguments. It might be being that person that has to let people know I'm not the one to mess with. And now you focused on your reputation and you got to keep building it up. 
And so I've noticed that a lot of kids, which it's, it's in our nature, we want attention. We want affirmation. But the problem is, is when there's no one to give positive affirmation, oh, they're going to find it and we're going to find it whichever way we can. And a lot of times that can lead to their own detriment. Um, and even going further about positive role models, you know, this is a whole different talk, but when you talk about oppression and you talk about cycles of poverty, you talk about, you know, you know, fathers being taken out of their homes. You know, you talk about the, break, the breakdown of the family. And you talk about how family structures have been altered and affected by our history and the lack of opportunities that we see um, in our communities. And uh, I think that's a big one, lack of opportunities. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of kids who are just looking for something to do. That's why me and my wife, we're trying to figure out ways where we can create opportunities. Like me working with R3, kids to get their first job, working with construction, learning character development. You know, one thing that we're trying to do more is have kids over our house. You know, we had a little game night last night, and that was just the opportunity to create other things that we can provide something that they can engage with that could help grow them. And so another thing is trauma. Trauma of seeing death on, on a consistent, regular basis where we might not even flinch when we hear about somebody dying or somebody being shot or killed and almost desensitizing it because I was there too, myself as a youth. When I was misguided, I was at a point where you know, death, it just didn't bother me to hear, oh, somebody was shot. Or, you know, you might even view it, depending on who it was, you might view it in a certain way and be okay with it. And the thing is, is that trauma causes us to normalize that which is destructive and dangerous and ugly. Um, and another thing um, that we see because of lack of role models uh, present in our youth, it's obvious that there might be a tendency to distrust um, leadership or distrust um, authority, you know? So it's just, you know, when I'm in the schools, it's like even kids that I'm cool with, like they'll, we'll be cool one day and the next day they're cussing me out. I'm like, bro, like we were like, he's like, I, lo I love you, but man, F you, you being a B right now. I'm, my man's, what's going on? Like, but the thing is, is that if it's not active, it's not around, there's no, there's no ability to shape how that's supposed to look and that trust is not there. So it's, it's really um, difficult to see that disrespect um, that's, 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 that we see um, in our youth. And the thing is, is that, you know, I was even talking to one of our students. She was saying that sometimes that's what's modeled even from the adults. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can see that maybe the role models you're looking up to, they might be telling you to do that or they might be modeling that for you. And so, therefore, what am I going to do? I'm going to think that's, that, that that's okay. And so that's the big piece that we're realizing, okay, this is what we're seeing. This is what uh, is, 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 is kind of in our youth. And now it's like, okay, are we okay with that? The part that we need to come to grips with is that as adults, we are actually the ones responsible for a lot of the reason why we see the results as they are. Because if we're honest, sometimes we look at like, oh yeah, somebody else got that. That's somebody else's problem. Like, no, the youth, they, 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 they are, you know what I'm saying, they, they are ours. They're ours to want to 
be a, we take that responsibility that it's on us to shape them in the right way. And so are the children valuable to us? If we look at what we're seeing, we say no. You can't answer yes if that is what we're seeing in our communities because we would be saying, we need to do more. If this is where it's at, what, where are we at? Where are we stepping up and saying, I wanna make a difference. I wanna be that mentor, role model, that person that can model it for them. So is there hope for us? Is there hope for them? That's, that's kind of what we're wanting to get into. And you're probably like, he is going in about the youth. And we're seeing how our culture views it, what we see in the youth. What's wrong with the picture? I'm glad you asked. The most important voice is missing in the conversation. And that's God's voice. And that's what he has to say about the youth. And we can't go anywhere until we know what he feels about the youth. So we want to get into that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so we have six points um, that reveal God's heart for the youth. So number one, God's heart for the youth is that he values them. God values the youth, both born and unborn. Psalm 127.3 says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. So children are a gift, God says. Uh, so we can kind of think to ourselves, do we have a difficult child? Do we have a special needs child? Do we have a colicky child, a child that won't stop crying? Um, an over-emotional child? God tells you that they are a gift and that they are a reward. So I know depending on circumstances, this might hit um, each of us differently. I know that there are some of us that would love to have a baby and immediately it would feel like a reward. It would feel like a gift from, from God that, oh, he made us pregnant, we're gonna have a baby. And then other, others of us accidentally get pregnant uh, and it doesn't always feel like that. But regardless, God says that they are a gift. Uh, and as we, as I was just kind of thinking on that point, okay, children are a gift, children are a reward from the Lord. Um, do you wanna know why we don't value them like we should? Uh, the truth is that we're selfish. Um, we don't like to have someone call us to sacrifice 24-7. We don't want to spend our time, we want to spend our time the way that we want, our energy the way we want, our money the way that we want. We don't like to serve all the time. Sometimes we just want to sleep in. Um, sometimes I want you to feed yourself and, you know, and, and do it in a timely manner. Come on, you know. Um, but I was just thinking maybe God says that children are a gift because they're constant reminders of how much we need God's grace. <laughs> so if we are going to love kids and value them the way that God does, we're going to need him to give us the grace to see that. Um, so maybe, maybe that's one reason he, he says that they're a gift. But children are a reward. Do you number two? Yeah, that's good. And so the second one is that we know God cares about the youth and cares about children is because, first and foremost, he came as a child. We, we can't just forget to look at how important that is because he's God. He could have came however he wanted to, right? He could have came at 33 years like, hey, where the cross at? We up there. It's over with. I don't need to come as a kid. Like, we're going to get straight to business. No. Think about it. Poopy diapers. The God of the universe had poopy diapers. He was spitting up milk. He had to be burped. 
He probably was crying throughout the night. He had to learn how to crawl. He couldn't even talk. He probably just looking at his mom, Mary, like, I'm God, but I don't know what to say to you. I got to learn first, you know. That's, that's humility. And it's saying, I want to get the full human experience. And I know one of my wife's favorite songs, like, the thing I love about my wife is that she gets into songs so much. Like, she's so passionate about them. Like, certain songs can make her cry. And this is one of the songs by Timothy Brindle. And uh, it says. About the humility of Christ. The humility of Christ. Y'all should check it out. But it says that God passed through his own creature's uterus. And then it goes on to say, an omnipotent God crying as a baby. It's just stuff that you got to think about. Like how powerful and awesome God is. And he humbled himself to the point where he was crying like a baby and entered into humanity completely. And so you think about all that God was showing us by saying, no, I'm going through the whole process. I'm going to show you from the very beginning what it looks like to live for God and to to be dependent on God Mm -hmm. in the most clear way, Mm -hmm. being a small infant baby who can't do anything. Mm -hmm. We all know what that looks like. And so the other thing before I... um, Going to the next point, it's that the simple reality that God, through Jesus Christ, he obeyed his earthly mother and father. And I don't want to get too much into it, but probably Jesus being a kid, you know, all kids play. There's probably times I was like, no, you can't do that. Mm, I'm going to still do it, matter of fact. And that's opportunities to disobey. Tell me, I can't tell you how many times I've disobeyed my parents. And that almost makes me appreciate Christ so much more, knowing that he was perfect in every single way, even obedience as a child. Mm-hmm. Not just in his adulthood, he was perfect as a child. And that is amazing. The next point is um, Jesus engages children. He engages the youth. He engages them. He makes it an intentional, he makes it something that he's intentional about. And in Matthew 19, 14, we see a very clear example when Jesus says this. He says it to his disciples, because check it out. His disciples were trying to push the kids back. He was trying to like, disciples like, man, if y'all don't go away and go play over there, because the adults, we doing big boy stuff over here. Like, Jesus is doing ministry, can't you see? He's out here changing the world. Like, why are you trying to come up and bother him and just trying to get, you know, a a blessing and just trying to be in in, in the space with adults? Jesus stepped up. He he immediately, he didn't let a second pass. Like, oh, yeah, I definitely got to say something here. Mm -hmm. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For such belongs the kingdom of God. Where he dropped such a powerful meaningful statement and saying don't hinder them back to what Jim was saying they are blessings they are a gift Mm -hmm. we want them here they're not a nuisance and so it's just amazing how as adults we could be like oh well we're not going to be as effective we're not going to be as efficient when kids are around they're going to slow us down Jesus says so what it ain't slowing you down you actually setting yourself up to to see them flourish and setting them up to experience life. And so praise God for that. He welcomes them. 
Okay, number four is that Jesus calls us to become a child. He calls us to become a child. In Matthew 18, Jesus' disciples get into a little argument. So they're kind of debating who they ask will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So unless you become like children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean to become a child? Uh, I think of Kendrick. <laughs> so some of you all know he's got a birthday coming up. He's turning five. And I can't tell you how many conversations we've had uh, regarding his Miles Morales uh, birthday party. Just the other day, he says, Mommy, can we talk a long time about my birthday? <laughs> so he is asking for things. <laughs> He's asking for things over and over and over. Um, he calls my name repeatedly, Mommy, Mommy, Mom, Mom, Mom. He doesn't care if he's being inconvenient or if mommy's preoccupied. He's going to continue calling my name until I give him attention. Uh, Kendrick and Cameron, they'll ask for help all the time. They'll ask us to go places with them. Cameron, all the time, Mommy, can you take me to the bathroom? It's dark in there. Uh, children need guidance, and they're unashamed of their dependence on their parents. They're always asking you why, and they are eager to hear you actually explain. They want to know what you have to say. And when you explain it, they believe you. Children trust what you say. It's only when we grow older that we get more independent and we get away from these kind of childlike values. But the truth is that God wants us to become like a Kendrick. God wants us to become like an Eve, uh, like Macy and Lincoln. So just an encouragement, I think, to all of us with small children, whether at home or maybe some of us work with kids, for those of us that serve and enjoy kids, um, allow these small people to teach you because for of such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Yes, and so then the next one is, why does God have a heart for the youth? Or what is his view of the youth? It's that they obey him. And that could sound pretty, ah, we were good until you said that. Like, that seems a little bit rules. I'm not sure if I'm feeling that. Here's the thing, though, because we see it backwards. We see it the wrong way. Because if you look at Jesus, he was the most joyful human being in, in, that has walked the face of this earth because he experienced God in a real way, because he understood his position. We try to buck against our position before the Lord. Now, I ain't a child. You, nobody's telling me what to do. You know, God refers to his people as stiff-necked people. It's just like, we can't get down. It's just, <laughs> what you talking about? I, I don't know if I really want to do that. And it's just like this inability to trust God at his word and believe that he's for us. Does anybody relate to that where it's just like, I feel God, I don't know, you kind of holding out on me. I don't know if you really want my best. That's the problem. We get too grown where it's just like, I don't know. I can kind of think for myself and I think I know what's best. And the thing is, God is saying, there's beauty in just like Jen was saying, childlike obedience. You believe that as a loving parent, they gonna want the best for you. They actually know what is going to protect you and what is going to set you up well in life? And God is saying, there's joy in obedience. Jesus had to learn obedience, even through what he suffered. 
Obviously, he did all the things that were easy to do as a being obedient. Hey, could you go uh, run and get me some water? Yeah, I could do that. Hey, could you go clean up your, I could do that. Hey, could you, let's go to the park. You want to go to the park with me? Yeah, I can obey you. I'll go to the park. Hey, could you die on the cross for me? Ah, that's a little bit harder. But in, in uh, Hebrews 12, the joy that was set before him, he took on that cross, despised the shame. He looked ahead. He trusted in his father and what was going to come out of his suffering. It was life. It was people coming to himself, people coming back into a relationship with himself. And so there's joy and obedience. And as a youth, that's something that you could start learning now. Understand that that's the formula to living out your purpose. As hard as that is to believe, as many people has let you down and as many people that maybe have did you bogus and maybe made it hard for you to trust, God is saying, when you look to me, I'm going to give you the strength mm -hmm. and the ability for you to start being obedient to God, not necessarily people, but listening to his voice. And so in John 1:12, God says this. He says he's calling us children. And he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so that means if anybody in this room, if you trust in Jesus, God is saying just like that. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you can become a child of God. And you have a new heart before God. Where it's saying, I want to trust you. Everything in me, trust you. Even though I don't understand everything. I'm childlike. I'm a baby to you, God. I don't understand everything in my life, but I'm submitting myself to you. And so, yeah, the next one is, uh, and this is kind of what I've said already, is just to honor your mother and father. And we could get deep off into this because sometimes maybe your parents aren't the easiest to honor. I don't know. Sometimes you can feel as a child it's hard to honor my parents because they've done X, Y, and Z to me. Here's the thing. God is saying at the core of your heart, your desire should be to obey as best as you can. As long as it isn't opposite to some, obviously something that God's against. You know what I'm saying? Like if your parents tell you, hey, go kill that person. No. God, no. That's not, no. As much as it doesn't, you know, interfere with what God desires. You got to be clear with that. If it's in line with what God is saying, you got to know what God says. And if it's in line with it, your heart should be to obey. Um, okay. Um, okay, then the last point is that Jesus calls us to stay like a child. Um, so why? Zach kind of touched on it already, because that's what Jesus did, literally and figuratively, right? He became a child, and then he was childlike his whole life. So as we kind of look over our points, Jesus valued life. Um, we see that all throughout his time on the earth when he um, when he made time for the lame, when he healed the blind, when he was with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Uh, Jesus valued every life, and he showed no impartiality, no partiality. Um, and he valued your life. That's the reason that he came to die for you, because you are valuable to him. Um, and Jesus was childlike with his father. It's, it's powerful just thinking about this, how Jesus himself woke up early in the morning to be with God uh, in prayer. When he was distressed, 
um, when scripture, scripture talks about how he was literally sweating drops of blood. He was so anxious for what awaited him, these beatings and him um, having to endure the cross. He was sweating drops of blood, and he pleaded with God, hey, if it's possible, can you take this cup from me? And then even in death, and when he was forsaken, he became sin on the cross, and God forsook his son, he still didn't curse his father. Scripture even says that he opened not his mouth. Um, so Jesus honored his father to the point of death. He was obedient. Philippians 2, 7 through 8 says, But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus' obedience and his childlikeness it brought us salvation. It's what gives us our intimacy with the Heavenly Father. So you can kind of think, if Jesus wasn't obedient, we would have no hope for eternal life. Uh, we would still be dead in our sins. We would still have judgment awaiting us. We would still have to pay for our sins. So praise God for Jesus' obedience and his childlikeness. So what is God calling us to do? Hebrews 13, 14 says, for we do not have a permanent city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. So this is not our home, and I think many of us can kind of relate. It's officially kind of unpopular to be a Christian with a lot of the values that God calls us to value and what he calls us to believe. It's kind of not popular. Um, so I think he's calling us to a new normal here at City of Joy, within our homes. How we are called to view children is different than the rest of the world. Yeah, so with that being said, what's the new normal? What are we going to ask of ourselves and of the youth? It's this, that you would look to God, to God and direct you in your life. He has some powerful deep things that he wants to speak into your lives if you just will open up your heart to God saying you as my creator I want you to show me who you are I want you to show me that love that you talking about that I can access that there's a God that loves me unconditionally so much that he sent the person that was most close to him to die in my place that everything in my life that is wrong Jesus hung on that cross for and he rose up for that now Right now, in your seat, like I want you to understand is right now, in real time, Jesus is saying, you call on my name, you saved. And that you are able to become a child of God. And the way that you know that that's real is that there's going to be a new desire that's placed into your heart. That's called the Holy Spirit. And we talked about it next up. Youth, it's like the wind that just rushes through cities. You don't know where it's coming from. Oh, you don't know where it came from, but God just revealed himself to me in a real way. And I feel like I've just gained a heavenly father. Through Jesus, I have a relationship with him now. Thank you that Jesus lived that perfect life and introduced me to my heavenly father. And now I can walk differently. So I would say this. Here's a good way to start off. Youth in the room. Proverbs 1.7, you would do well to memorize or even just understand the concept of this passage. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'm going to speak to you guys from 
at least how I was as a youth, I didn't like when people tried to instruct me on certain things, especially the older I got. Because, you know, around 14, 15, 16, I know everything. Or I don't like to be told what to do. I don't like when people tell me the right thing to do. Dad, my dad said, hey, you shouldn't hang out with this person. Yeah, okay, whatever. You, you old. So I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to go ahead and kick it with what I want to do. I literally had to go back and apologize to my dad, weeping. Dad, I'm sorry. I should, I, there's so many times where I should have listened to you, and I broke your heart. I really dishonored you in the way that I went about the things I was doing. And a lot of times, I ended up hurting myself, you know what I'm saying, and going the wrong direction. So finding somebody, a woman or a man, somebody that is God-fearing and is full of wisdom that you can look to, that they can point and direct, and they have space where they can speak into your life and tell you wisdom. Because here's the thing. A lot of us are hearing wisdom on the daily. You might just not see it as wisdom. Because as a kid, I'm just like, no, nah, I'm just not doing it. That's just not me. Sometimes we need to get an ear for wisdom. And start, start, start of that is fearing the Lord, knowing that he has a purpose. And he has a, he has a standard and a calling on my life. And um, Ecclesiastes 12.1, uh, I want to share this one quickly, also for the youth. Pay attention to this one. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Check this out. Before the evil day comes and the years draw near of which you say, I have no pleasure. I have no pleasure in these days. What do you think that's saying? That's saying that when you get old, you lose your zeal of life. You start... You stop believing things are possible and you're less optimistic. You're just like, okay, my life's kind of behind me. What do I have now? God is saying you better understand that there's a God who is with you now. Because check it out. When I'm old, me and my wife, when we, when we or when I get old, she always going to stay young. Like when we are, you know, 50 years old, even though life might be behind me, man, I'm still celebrating all that he's done in my youth. All that he's done, you know, through my children and all that he's shown me all throughout my life, how he walked with me, how he got me out of these trials that I was in, how he got me out of darkness. Oh, I'm going to be celebrating as a 60, 70 year old. Remember your creator in your youth. Seek him out in your youth right now. Get to know him now. He's he not going to feel the same when you're 60 and you're looking back at your life. Let him speak to you now. So learn what it looks like to honor the Lord with your life. Obey your parents because it honors him. You know, God doesn't call you to um, like your parents or, man, I, I, they're not worthy of my, you know, I, I don't have to listen to them, whatever. You obey them because God tells you to. You honor them because it honors God to honor them. Um, and for parents, <laughs> an encouragement for us is to require obedience from your children. We're learning that too. Um, what does it look like to require obedience because it's for their good? Um, so Jesus changed the world through his disciples. We talk about this at Next Step. How old were the disciples? Youth. How old were the disciples? The disciples were teenagers, okay? Jesus changed the world. He used teenagers to turn the world upside down through youth. And he wants to do that in you all right now. Um, 
So a vision for married couples without children, parents in the room, singles in the room. If children are valuable, if children matter, what would it look like for us here, at, just in our homes, um, but specifically at City of Joy, what, it, what would it look like if we learned the kids' names? Um, what would it look like if we actually took an interest in what they're learning, what they're thinking, how their week was, who they are? Um, what if we got to a point where we could describe Caleb and his personality? This is what Caleb's like. You know, he's got a da-da-da. And we knew Caleb's strengths and his, and his gifts. Um, what if we could do that with all of the youth in the room? Uh, because they're valuable. They're not just, oh, yeah, that, Zach, I think they got three kids. But what if you actually knew them? Um, let me see. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's, the, that's a vision that we can kind of look forward to um, with City of Joy. I think another thing, uh, a verse that's kind of shaped youth, uh, Next Up Youth Ministry has been Psalm 78, 1 through 8, which talks about telling of God's goodness to the next generation. That's where we kind of get the your next up. Um, and so we don't know a lot of our ancestral history, I think, because a lot of that wasn't passed down to us, right? Like, we didn't have a great-great-grandma who made it a point to tell you, man, this is where you come from, and did you know that your, your great-granddad did this? And, and those stories were passed down so that I could tell you, man, I know all about my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather and all the great things that he has done. Well, Scripture is encouraging us to do that regarding who God is. Uh, we have to make it a point to tell our youth, this is what we've seen God do. This is who God is. When I pray, this is how God responds. God is powerful. He is holy. Um, this is how I experienced him last week. We need to be able to be telling our kids, this next generation, who he is, so that it passes down generation after generation, and we create legacies um, of kids that know Christ and that love him. Uh, and value who he is. Um, so that's also a part of just engaging them, right? We have to engage our youth. So when we engage them like Jesus did, those are the things that we can be sharing with them. Um, and if God used teenagers to change the world, we can be a part of shaping them to join in on that. Uh, I just think, man, the world needs more Christian youth, right? And we need more Christian kids in our schools, um, and so just to kind of add um, just to what she was saying about how could we as a church continue to grow and continue to see our hearts change towards you. Because if we're real, it's just we know the challenges of even having our own kids and just kind of the requirements and just kind of the energy level that we need. It's like we need to remember first God's heart for the youth and the great blessings that we see through them. It might not always feel like it in the moment, but it's there. And we need to train our hearts to see it because that will change how we approach and build relationships. Psalm 144.12, this one just rocked me. I just love God's imagery and the way that he paints a picture. It says, may our sons, think of all of the children that come into City of Joy. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown. I'm not a gardener, but if, if, if I was, I love when my plants would be grown out. Everything just to, to, to just complete fruition, seeing everything blossom in the way that it should be. I've seen beautiful trees and plants out and about, and it's just like, that's amazing. And not only that, but they provide fruit. They provide so many different things for our world to function. And so you think about 
our children being full-grown plants. Think about them. They're sprouting right now. What are we going to do to put some water on it? What are we going to do to make sure that we are being a part of that process, seeing them come to full development? And then I love this one, too. It says, our daughters are like corner pillars cut for the structure of the palace. I feel like I might just need to, we were talking about, we're going to frame this and put this in our children's room. Like, Cameron, do you realize, you know, Eve, every, Basie, do you realize, like, we want y'all to be, like, corner pillars cut for the structure of the palace. The palace is, like, the most beautiful place. You know what I'm saying? When you think about a palace, you think about it's laid out. It's just, like, top of the line. In the corner cut pieces, that's what holds up the whole structure. We want our women to be strong and and powerful and, and, and palace beautiful just something to see just like wow our daughters are just so amazing Mm -hmm. and so you think about that it's just awesome we have influence we have the opportunity to steward just the ability to influence and love them and point them in the right direction and to be role models that they can look to it says in Colossians 321 fathers do and I think fathers that's more you know role models somebody that can influence but Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. We have a role. Oh, kids know when we frustrate or when we upset with them. I, sometimes I'll be real sure, ah, nah. and they know that I'm really, I need to make sure God's checking my heart that I don't provoke them. Because when they do, they can easily turn and be discouraged and begin to close up. And now that full-grown plant starting to, wither away because I'm kind of on top of them. And so being, being cautious about that. Um, last verse that I wanted to share is Psalms 127, three and four. God just gives us so much imagery. Like, let's just look, we could study these, study these for the next week or two, just to encourage our heart for what God sees in our children. Mm-hmm. Children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth, arrows being shot out, sharp, they hitting the target. They doing exactly what they were created to do. That is the opportunity we have, is to see them that way. And blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So. So, um, is God calling you to repent of your heart towards children? Do you see children as valuable? Does your walk with God reflect childlikeness? If you are a child of God, have you been obedient to him? Do we need to repent of selfishness? Maybe we need to apologize to our children for snapping at them instead of being patient with them like God is with us. Some of us may need to ask God to completely change our view of children. Uh, But as a church, overall, we can share in all of the rewards here at this church in shaping them into the image of Christ. So last, um, we wanted to just give a few ways that you can serve the youth in our city specifically. James 1.27 says, uh, religion that is pure and undefiled before the Lord, before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. So this verse means that at the core of our faith, we should care. (laughs) We should care about the kids who don't have this guidance. Um, so if 
if you remember what Zach was kind of saying about the youth in our city and how it's a lack. There's a lot of fatherlessness. Um, we have a lot of kids that need attention, that need role models. Some of the ways that you can serve um, is to consider next up youth. Consider being a leader. Um, if you, uh, if it works better for you, we need meals. We ask uh, several families in this church to sign up for meals every week. We feed the kids. That's a part of um, what we do with the youth. So I think we're all covered this semester, but next uh, semester for the fall, if when I send that text out, you know, immediately, all of those slots can be filled um, because we care about the orphans, about the kids that might not have the guidance that they need. That's the church's role. That's a way that we can be serving them. Uh, you can help with Joy Kids if you aren't already, and you can have the right attitude when you serve in Joy Kids. Amen? Okay, we can resolve. Okay, I'm, when, when we know that we're up this week, we can resolve to say, all right, I'm not going to go into it. Oh, I got Joy Kids. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, man, I got to miss the sermon. We can, we can um, rebuke that and decide to remember that children are gifts. They are rewards. And maybe we can even set up a kind of culture that kind of checks that when we hear it, right? Lovingly, we can kind of check that. Like, okay, sis, I know, you know, they're a reward, okay? Become, become like a child, for of such belong the kingdom of heaven. Um, so... Yes. Um, oh, and then the last. Yes, and then we're going to wrap yeah. it up here. We're going to land the plane. And here's, it. here's the big announcement. In light of everything that we're talking about, with the youth being a reward and a gift, we feel a calling from the Lord, and he's just confirmed it in so many different ways, that we want to start a youth worship service at our church where our youth can have a space and environment to be engaged in a way that they can wrap their minds around this loving God. So this kids God. that are not in Joy Kids. Joy Kids, yeah. So, so it's from 5 to what, 12. 12, yeah. yeah. From 5 to 12. And so the, the heart behind it is to see them be able to start seeing themselves as leaders and, and, and they matter. You know, we're not just saying, hey, come in here and just kind of stick it up. We're going to talk about, like, in, in adult ways what we're doing. But it's like, no, we want something for you. And we're going to do that um, probably once a quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clap it up. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so if you're interested, um, because the frequency that we have these all kind of depends on how much help we have. Mm -hmm. So if there's any part of you that wants to serve in this way, maybe you're not even like, oh, yeah, kids are my thing. But if your heart for the youth is that, man, they're arrows, and we have a, priv we have a privilege to help shape them, right? Mm -hmm. If your heart is that, um, Sign up. Let us know um, because it's all kind of contingent on how much help we have, the frequency of those. And the first one's going to be February 23rd. So that's going to be the first one we do. We're looking to do it like quarterly. So it won't right be all now. the time. We're not trying to just overwhelm and just try to do too much. We just want to start it off. And we are really excited. Um, and we have Taylor who has already, I feel like she was one of the answered prayers. As God was putting it on my heart, she, by her own will, just came up and said, hey, Zach, I was thinking about this. I said, man, God, God was thinking about it. Hey, that's how you know God was thinking about it, too. And so I'm just grateful for that. And uh, with that being said, let me go ahead and pray that God blesses our hearts um, through this message and that he spoke to us in a way that's meaningful and we take with us.